Thank you for tuning in to the City Light West Council Bluff Sermon Podcast. We are a church that exists to multiply disciples and churches that is located in Council Bluffs, Iowa. If you want to learn more about our church, visit citylightwestcb.org or follow us on Facebook at City Light West Council Bluffs and Instagram at City Light West CB. All right, good morning, City Light. Hey, how are you guys doing this morning? All right, so I just want to start by introducing myself for those of you who don't know me. My name is Mark. I'm part of the advisory team here at City Light West Council Bluffs. My wife, Kelsey, she just prayed for me. Uh, We've been part of this church plant since the initial plant a couple years back. We have two kids, Damien, who's sitting up front right here. He's nine. And Talia, she's upstairs in the nursery. You guys may know her. She runs around, little curly-haired girl, half-eats her donuts. That's Talia in for you. Um, But it's an honor to be invited on stage here today. And even though it's an honor, I'm not going to lie, it's kind of intimidating to be up here giving God's word. I mean, I'm used to coming on stage and maybe reading the scripture and praying for the pastors. But today I've been entrusted to actually deliver the message and deliver God's word. So I'm excited for the message that God actually placed on my heart today. And I just pray that you guys receive this message with an open heart, open ears, and can walk out this church changed uh, a little bit this morning. So the title of that message is going to be Faith Over Feelings. But before we dive into the message, I want to start with a question. If you like math, Say amen. Amen! (laughs) So apparently we don't have too many people in here that like math. But see, my wife Kelsey, she's an eighth grade math teacher at Wilson Middle School. So for myself, I'm going to say amen loud and proud. I love math and I love everything about math. No, but in all seriousness, I can't say growing up that I actually liked math, but I was pretty good at math. Um, I like the answers but I hated the work that it went, like, that went into getting the answers. See, I liked the results, but I hated the process. But, and that right there is a sermon in and of itself, so we won't go down that road. But I do want to give you a history of my math career. So in sixth grade, I started taking pre-algebra. I, in seventh grade, I took algebra. Eighth grade, I took algebra two. In ninth grade, I took geometry. Tenth grade, trigonometry. 11th grade, pre-calculus, and then as a senior, I took calculus. And I say that to say that those were some pretty complex math courses. They had complex equations with complex solutions. And if I'm being honest with you guys, I don't remember anything from those math courses at all. But what I do remember is the simple mathematics. I remember the one plus one equals two. The two times two equals four. You know, I remember the math that you can do without using a calculator. So today, I have some simple mathematics for us. I have a couple simple equations for us, and if there's one thing I pray that you remember leaving the service today are these two simple equations. So the first equation is going to be faith over feelings equals salvation. And the second equation is going to be feelings over faith equals self. So I'll say that one more time. Faith over feelings equals salvation, and feelings over faith equals self. So 
I know by this point, some of you are probably questioning Chuck and Kenan as to why they have me on stage talking about math, talking about equations and solutions, because the, passage, the scripture that Kelsey read to you this morning in the uh, Bible story talks nothing about math. It talks nothing about equations. It talks about Jesus being conceived as part of our Advent series. But I promise you, if you guys just stick with me, by the time we get to the end, it will all make sense. So let's go back and read Matthew 1 verses 18 through 19. Now the birth of Jesus took place in this way. When his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to to divorce her quietly. So back in the days of Mary and Joseph, uh, marriage was a little bit different. See, the Jewish wedding consisted of three parts. And the first part of that was the engagement stage. So an engagement back then is much different than what we think about for an engagement today. An engagement back then was basically an arranged marriage. So families would come together and decide that, okay, the children in this family are going to get married. So um, let's look at it like this. What about Reverend Chuck, as he's just been (laughs) ordained, and then Pastor Kenan come together and say, you know what? When Harper gets older, she's going to marry Finn. And then Chuck would give Kenan a goat, or because Chuck really wants Harper to be in his family, you know that little red Jeep in the parking lot? He's going to give Kenan that red Jeep, they'll shake hands, and boom, it's a done deal. Now, to us, that may sound crazy, but that is the way that marriages happened back then. And the second part of the marriage was the betrothal stage. And this was the stage that most closely reflects what an engagement is today for us. So it was during this stage that the couple was now in a legally binding agreement to actually get married, yet they were not to live together, nor were they to, and on biblical terms, know one another. And it was during this stage that Mary actually conceived Jesus. So we go back and read verse 18. It says, When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Now the Bible doesn't specifically tell us how Joseph felt when he received that news, but it does tell us how Joseph reacted initially. See, Joseph wanted to divorce Mary when he first got this news. In verse 19 it says, And her husband Joseph being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. And and when you think about it, I mean, that actually makes sense. I mean, Joseph knew he and Mary never actually had sex, so how did she actually become pregnant? Because in order to conceive a child, a man and a woman must come together, and because that did not happen, well, how did she actually become pregnant? So imagine how that conversation must have went between Mary and Joseph. See, I picture it something like this. You know, Mary and Joseph, they're, they're now engaged and get married soon, so they might have went out for a nice dinner. And after a nice dinner, they want to go out on a walk to get to know each other. I remember when Kelsey and I were engaged, we'd go out to eat, and then if it was a nice night out, we would just kind of take a stroll so we could kind of talk and continue to build a relationship. So I picture them out on a walk, and then Mary says, the four words that every man in this room probably hates to hear. Uh, Joseph, we need to talk. (laughs) 
Now, Joseph being righteous and just, I'm sure his heart's beating out of his chest right now, but he's engaged to Mary, so he wants to impress her. So he says something like, Mary, my love, what's on your mind? Talk to me. Uh, Joseph, I'm with child. You're with what? Joseph, I'm with child. What do you mean you're with child? But Joseph, I promise it's from the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit? Mary, how dumb do you just think I am? Does anyone else imagine the conversation playing out like that? Or is it just me? So when Joseph gets this news, he sets out to divorce Mary. But just like a marriage at that time was nothing like a marriage is today, a divorce at that time was nothing like a divorce is today either. See, when a man divorced his wife during that time, he was cutting her off financially, plus he was tarnishing her name, thus making it harder for her to find a new spouse. He was basically relegating her to the cultural scrap heap of that day. See, a divorce would have caused Mary public shame. And the Bible tells us that Joseph did not want to shame Mary, so he resolved to divorce her quietly. But even back then, a private divorce became public knowledge. Because even back then, if you wanted to divorce your wife, you still had to profess her sins in front of people in order for that divorce to become official. See, a divorce would have had devastating consequences on Mary's life. So imagine how Joseph must have actually felt if he was truly willing to divorce Mary in that situation. See, it's at this moment that we see Joseph starting to live out that second equation that I talked about. See, he's starting to put his faith over his feelings and letting how he feels in this uh, situation dictate how he responds in this situation. He's letting his feelings control his actions. His response was self-serving in the form of divorcing Mary. And we know Joseph was a righteous man. Therefore, Joseph knew the scriptures. Joseph knew the Messiah was to be conceived of a virgin. Yet, when Joseph was confronted with this faith, he decided to put how he felt in the situation over his faith in the situation. See, when we place our feelings over our faith, our response is selfishness. Faith over feelings equals selfish desires, selfish thoughts, selfish desires, and selfish actions. And think about it. How often do we actually see this here today? See, when our feelings are placed over our faith, we respond based on our fear. We respond based on our despair. We respond based on our greed or a bias. When our feelings are placed over our faith, we respond selfishly. We'll be quick to become offended, but we'll be slow to forgive. We'll be quick to hold on to grudges, but slow to give out grace. See, we're quick to judge, but slow to show mercy. And when that happens and we start to let those thoughts creep in and that offense take hold, we put how we feel over our faith and it leads to selfishness, selfish thoughts, selfish desires, and selfish actions. But please hear me out. When I talk about these feelings, these could be feelings that you have towards another person. These could be feelings that you have towards yourself. Or these even may be feelings that you have towards God. And these feelings may be valid. I mean, when you think back to Joseph, 
when he first found out that Mary was pregnant, his thought of divorce, it wasn't a crazy thought at that time. I mean, he had no idea how this truly happened. So his wanting to divorce her, it wasn't out of, you know, the realm of possibility. He, he was okay to feel those feelings. But for us, our feelings may also have validity, but they do not tell the whole story. See, you have a choice. You can either allow your feelings to control how you respond, or you can choose to trust in the goodness of your heavenly father. And I'd be a hypocrite if I was to come up on stage and say, I never placed my feelings over my faith. I never responded in a selfish manner. You know, I'm guilty of this myself. So I want to tell a quick story. Um, for the longest time, probably from this big until you guys see how tall I am or here on stage now, I actually never imagined myself giving a sermon from the stage. It's nothing that I ever wanted to do. It was never in the cards for me. But uh, a few years back, I would randomly find myself practicing an introduction to a sermon. And a couple years ago, I was writing uh, devotionals for City Light East through the book of Matthew. And as I was writing those devotionals, I found, my, I found myself starting to vocalize those devotionals as if I was actually giving a sermon. And see, and then that turned into me actually hoping that I got the opportunity to give a sermon. And then one day that opportunity actually came. But it's not the sermon that you're actually hearing today. You see, a year ago, Chuck and Kenan had approached me and asked, hey, would you be willing to, to give a sermon? It was around this same Christmas time. And so you would have thought that something that I've been hoping for, something that I've been practicing for, something that I felt was a calling on my life at that time that God has now presented me the opportunity with, that I would have taken the opportunity to give a sermon. Well, I didn't. Because uh, about a month prior, you know, my wife and I, we had got some unexpected news. And uh, the child we were expecting was, was no longer with us. So what was supposed to be a time of celebration and happiness, it turned into a time of pain, hurt, confusion, and ultimately, it, it turned into anger towards God. So now instead of living in faith, I began to live in selfishness. See, I placed my feelings over my faith, and I was no longer living with a servant's heart. I, I no longer cared to walk in my calling. I, I no longer cared to, to pray. I no longer cared to be in church. I no longer cared to be in community with God's people. See, feelings over, faith, feelings over faith leads to selfishness, selfish thoughts, selfish desires, and selfish actions. And when we allow these feelings to give us validation or allow them to define us, that's when we begin to act in a selfish manner. See, we put feelings over faith because we feel validated by those feelings and violated by our faith in Christ. But when ultimately our true validation only comes from the Heavenly Father himself. Our feelings cannot validate us. Only God can give us the validation about who we are. See, in allowing our feelings instead of our faith to control our behavior, it has ramifications 
But the ramifications aren't just for us. It has ramifications for our community as well. So let's, let's look at it this way. We, most of us, attend city groups here. So say that you have words with someone at your city group, and now you got hurt or they got hurt. Or you're having a conflict with your spouse. What do you do in that situation? You maybe stop attending that city group. You maybe stop speaking to that person. You withhold affection from your spouse. And what we are doing in that situation, we're creating division. Because now it's all about us. We placed our feelings over our faith, so now we're living with selfish thoughts, selfish desires, and selfish actions. And here at City Light, we love multiplication. We love uh, multiplying churches and disciples. But the enemy, the enemy loves division. You see, because when there's division, the church can't stand. See, when there's division, that's when the enemy starts to slither in because things begin to crumble when they're divided. And we see this going all the way back to Genesis 3. The enemy created division between God, Adam, and Eve by playing to the feelings of Eve. So the enemy kind of slithered into Eve and, psst, hey, Eve, did God really say not to eat from any tree? you're surely not going to die if you have a bite, right? And in that moment of weakness, Eve placed her feelings over her faith, and she acted in a selfish manner. And now, that act of selfishness not only created division between us and the Father, but it also created division between us as a people. See, when God confronted Adam about this, he pointed the finger not only at Eve, but he also pointed the finger at God himself. See, the woman whom you gave me to be with, she gave me the fruit, and I ate. And this is why the enemy loves division. Things that are divided cannot work as one. And Mark 3 speaks directly to this. If you want to go to Mark 3, verses 24 and 25. If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. And if a house is divided against itself, that house will not be able to stand. So City Light, if we are divided against ourselves as a church, we are not going to be able to stand. We're not going to be that city set on the hill. We're not going to be able to bring the change that we want to see brought into the west side of Council Bluffs if we're not working all as one church. But the good news is that when we start to stray from what it is God actually called us to do, he kind of has a way of reeling us back in, doesn't he? And we see this in the case of, of Joseph. See, in Joseph's case, this was in the form of a dream. So look back with me to Matthew 1, and we're going to jump back in at verse 20. And up to this point, we see that Mary and Joseph, you know, they, Mary had conceived, and now Joseph was wanting to divorce Mary, but then God intervenes. So, verse 20. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. 
And what we see here is telling God, as Joseph telling God, or God telling Joseph, now, I know you don't want to be in this situation, but I have something special for you. But I don't have something just special for you. I have something special for the whole world. See, Joseph, you remember that Messiah I said was coming? Well, he's here, and he's in the womb of Mary. So, Joseph, take Mary to be your bride, put your faith over your feelings, and the whole world will forever be changed. Put your faith over your feelings, and the world will receive salvation. As we follow Jesus, we should be placing our faith over our feelings in everyday life. So, I like to get practical, and as we're in advisory team meetings, I feel like I'm kind of the person who brings the layman's perspective to all the conversations like well hey someone might perceive this this way or this person might perceive it that way so let's I'm gonna get practical with you guys here today what if we put our faith over our feelings before we share that Facebook post that we know is divisive what if we put our faith over our feelings before we share that post or meme that demonizes someone, makes light of, or puts down a specific group of people? What if we put our faith over our feelings before we say those words in an argument that we know are going to hurt? See, when we allow those feelings to be placed over our faith, we not only are acting out of a place of selfishness and not fulfilling what it is God has called us to do and be, but we're cheating others out of experiencing Jesus Christ. See, We don't know who's going to read that social media post or how it's going to shape their view of what a Christian is or what a Christian isn't because you're posting Jesus on Sunday and then posting hate on Monday. See, you don't know how how those words are going to begin to shape how someone starts to feel or thinks about themselves. And now the way they are starting to feel and think about themselves, they're passing it down to their children, which are passing down to their children. And now that pain and that hurt, it becomes generational. See, all because we place our faith over our feelings in a moment of weakness. All because we put our faith over our feelings in a moment that we thought was just a joke or they were just words. But if we're actually to get into the Bible, the Bible tells us that these are not just words. Proverbs 18.21 tells us that death and life are in the power of the tongue. And I would say that death and life are also in the power of the post. Because you can kill a, post, a person's spirit by what you say or what you post online. But you can also raise a person to new life by what you are speaking into their lives and what you are posting on your social media. And believe me, this may sound crazy, but this is not an exaggeration. If you were to look at some of the students within the Council Bluff School District, they're leave, living out generational hurt, generational pain, and have no idea how to actually break that cycle. You know, they have no idea how to accept the love of another, let alone accept the love of Jesus Christ. Because all they've ever been taught was to put your feelings over your faith. All they've ever been taught was survival. All they've ever been taught was the how to live with selfish thoughts, selfish desires, and selfish actions. And if we want to be a church that actually sees lives change and want to see people to come to know Christ, we have to be aware of how we carry ourselves and what we are putting out there. We have to be so rooted in Jesus that by default, we allow our faith to dictate our responses rather than allowing our feelings dictate how we respond. And 
I don't know about you guys, but personally, I'm thankful for Joseph and how he placed his faith over his feelings. You know, as we look at the rest of the chapter, we see that Joseph took Mary to be his wife. And because Joseph put his faith over his feelings, our Messiah, Emmanuel, was now here on earth with us, living out the name God with us. And if we were to look at the life of Jesus from the beginning to the end, it started with faith being placed over feelings, and then it also ends with faith being placed over feelings. See, I don't want us to overlook what happened prior to Jesus being crucified. See, before Jesus was to be crucified, he was not hyping himself up like he was about to go play in the Super Bowl. Before Jesus was to be crucified, he wasn't getting ready like he was about to walk out of the bullpen for a ninth inning save. See, before Jesus got crucified, he went away and prayed. Now, we know the Bible, this is nothing new. Jesus often went away to say a prayer. But it's at this time in the Bible that we kind of get exposed to how Jesus felt in this situation. Because this time, when Jesus went away to pray, he asked God to let this cup pass him over. Not once, but twice. See, Jesus was like, hey, Dad, you know, do I really have to die today? See, I kind of like living here on earth, you know, making your name big, my name small, performing miracles. Do I really have to die today? But City Light, watch this. Jesus was so rooted in his faith. He was so rooted in his calling that after he expressed those fears of anguish and sorrow, not only to his disciples in the garden with him, but to God himself, he ended his prayer with these words. Your will be done. See, he, even after letting him ask this cup to pass, he understood what it was he was called to do. Your will be done. See, Jesus put his faith over his feelings for our salvation. So instead of running from what he was called to do, Jesus walked in his calling. He knew that in order for us to be forgiven of our sins, that he had to take that cross up that hill. In order for us to receive salvation, he had to put his faith over his feelings. But even while being on that cross, being mocked, being beat, being stabbed, being tortured, Jesus once again put his faith over his feelings. And he prayed for the people who were actively killing him. He says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. I want to ask you guys, how rooted in your faith do you have to be to pray for someone who is actively killing you? How rooted in your faith do you have to be to pray for someone who hurt you? How rooted in your faith do you have to be to pray for someone who opposes you? How rooted in your faith do you have to be to pray for someone who's different than you? See, I was listening to a sermon uh, one day, kind of prepping for this, a sermon by Pastor Mike Todd, and he said something kind of interesting. He said, 
what if Jesus wasn't praying just for them at that time? What if Jesus was actually praying for us? Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Father, forgive them for they know not how their words are going to impact the lives of others. Father, forgive them for they know not how their actions are going to shape their children and the generations to come after them. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. City Light, I pray that we know and understand what it is we are called to do. I pray that we know and understand who it is we represent when we leave these church doors. And I challenge you, place your faith over your feelings and pray for that person who hurt you. Place your faith over your feelings and bless that person who mistreated you. Place your faith over your feelings and forgive yourself. You know, place those feelings at the feet of God and receive your salvation. So as we prepare to receive communion, let us be reminded of the life that Jesus lived and the death that Jesus died. See, Joseph placed his faith over his feelings, and God used that faith to provide an earthly home for Jesus. Jesus placed his faith over his feelings so that we may receive salvation. So City Light, I ask you, let's be so rooted in our faith and our salvation that as we go through this Christmas season, we place our faith over our feelings and continue what the Lord had started. Thank you again for listening. This podcast is not intended to serve as a substitute for gathering with a local body of believers, but as a resource that encourages and empowers you to follow Jesus as your heart is pointed towards the gospel. If you want to learn more about our church, visit citylightwestcb.org.